Hosts Elle and Miriam are two black homeschooling moms embarking on a self-defining journey. Listen in on conversations that will encourage you to be your authentic self while uplifting your spirit and motivating your inherent potential. They're defining what culture is for their families and want you to do the same. Bring your children along too so they can meet the cleverly cultured kids. They're all for teaching the babies while they're young, adapting to the challenges of parenting, homeschooling, and being willing to learn the lessons that the children have to offer. It's all about uplifting one another and reclaiming your innate greatness. In today's episode, I'll be sharing an update on my family's home education journey. Listen to the full episode to hear how things have changed. When we started the Cleverly Changing podcast, we wanted to share insights about African history and education. We will continue this trend and add more to it in future shows. Today we learn in ancient Africa, early education for children was based on gender roles in society and where the child lived on the continent. Boys typically learned physical skills while girls learned domestic duties. If you want to learn more about the early African education system, visit kulabu.com. There will be a direct link on our show notes page. Today's proverb is, rain does not fall on one roof alone. And that proverb is from Cameroon. If this proverb intrigued you, send us a message on Instagram at Cleverly Changing Podcast and tell us what this saying means to you. It's now time for the word of the episode. Today's word of the episode is brought to you by the Congo. Sangonini. 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 What's new? Sangonini means what's new in Lingala. everybody we are back again and today we are talking about transitioning from homeschool to private school so that is my update um and the next show miriam will give her update but for me i am not homeschooling this year this is the first time ever that my kids are attending school full-time Now, in the pandemic, full-time has not actually meant full-time. They've been virtually learning for several months now. And so so, um, it's been a 
a different challenge, but um, I just wanted to kind of share our story and our journey because it's changed. And it's something that I think some homeschoolers may be interested in. So it's been great being able to see my kids learn from other people and not really have the pressure of having all of their books, having to get them myself, order them, having to assign chapters and page numbers and things like that. So that part has been great. I don't know. Do you have any questions or anything that you do? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So my first question would be, what prompted the shift? I mean, you, you were really deep in the homeschool game, you know, and then I know they're getting older and things get different, but I want to know what was the motivation for making the change? So oddly enough, I think it was really the pandemic. It was very hard on me. Um, Just being confined at home because I really liked going places. I loved learning and exploring and making education an adventure. That is what I love the most about homeschooling. I was never an at-home homeschooler. Um, You know, it happens sometimes, like if it was too cold to go anywhere, then I would stay home. Um, But I think actually having to stay home with my kids and not having that option to really explore. And I guess some people made it work, but it was difficult where we live because things were literally closed. I know there are some states like uh, Florida and Texas that kind of stayed open and they didn't have strict laws. I'm in Maryland. And when the pandemic first started, it was closed. (laughs) The streets were quiet and people were home. So um, I didn't really have that option. And so it was very difficult. And my kids actually said to me, they said, mom, we need that socialization. We need to be around some other people. And they were really missing people. And it was interesting because the child that voiced it the clearest and the loudest was my child who is an introvert and who I didn't think it mattered much to her. And I had tried doing the virtual classes from different places, but it didn't give them that same sort of education. One of my kids would fall asleep and I would think that she was in the class learning because I was working at that same time, mm-hmm. but she was straight sleep. <laughs> so I was like, this is a waste of money, a waste of time, and it's, it's not working. And of course we did try to fix that challenge. So it, I know that I'm not the only parent who has kids who sleep through virtual school. Um, what I had to do, I had to kind of, put the computer in a public space where everybody could see her. And a couple of times she fell asleep then too. (laughs) And so, (laughs) yes, yes. And I, and I would say that also 
I think it's very different. So she's home. She's virtually learning now, but she knows those teachers. She has built that rapport and that relationship. And so it's a much better experience than starting out with a class and a teacher that she doesn't have a relationship with and she doesn't know. And those classes were also too long for her. So the first couple virtual classes that we we signed them up for were a couple hours, like two hours. And that's too long for an adult. And it was clearly too long for a child. They would give breaks, like 10 minute breaks and 15 minute breaks. But that was not helpful for her to keep her attention. And so because that didn't work and my workload had increased, I knew we had to do something else. Well, let me ask this question since you brought up the matter of time. Pardon me. The two hour classes versus however long school, but what I don't know. It's been a long time. Five, six hours in the school day. How is she managing that? Because that's definitely a longer span of time. Or is it more more um I guess interesting is the word I'll use because it's more segmented or there's a change in gears that allows for, you know, more linear attention? I think the latter part of what you said is really what is making the difference for her. She has multiple teachers. So even though it's six hours and really they've really shortened it. So it's um, 8.45 to two, sometimes it goes to 2.30, but there's also that hour lunch break. Mm -hmm. And I believe their lunch break is an hour and they have different teachers. So, oh wait, really? Oh, that's okay. Because we're in the middle school zone. Yeah, you're making me go back. So let me just say this before (laughs) we continue. She put her children in the grade school that I attended as a child. And at some point, they, maybe it was sixth grade, I can't remember, probably so. They started kind of like doing more rotating of the teachers and you wouldn't just have the same teacher all day. I remember this now. So, okay, bring me back to life. Here we go. So. Yes, in middle school, they have different teachers that teach with multiple teachers. Okay. Yes. And I think that sort of rotation has kept her attention. And so she also looks forward to getting grades. So this is the very first time that my kids have ever been given solid grades. So I would grade their work, um, but it wasn't like at the end of the course, I would say, oh, you made an A in math, uh, you know, or you got a B, or I would do that on individual papers or if they took an online test or something like that. But those were few and far between. So now having that sort of positive competition, she likes that. And it's motivating for her. And so I think it could kind of go either way. But for my kids, they like getting graded. 
which is rather surprising. The same way about the grades. They enjoy that positive reinforcement from doing well. Okay, well, that's wonderful. And are they feeling any any kind of way about testing or anything? Because I know traditional schools, they give way more, well, not say that. They give way more tests and quizzes than I would ever right. my kids in the house. So I will kind of share that in two ways. So I have twins. So that means that they are in the same class and the same grade. But when it comes to the testing quizzes, it was different for them when they first started it. One of my daughters did not like it. She was like, they're always giving me work. They're always testing me. (laughs) And so she was like, what is this? She didn't care for it at first, but her sister seemed to be like, oh, this is my time to shine. And she loved it. And I think because her sister got straight A's and made it seem like it was the most fun thing ever because of that positive competition. She was like, well, next time I'm gonna get straight A's. She's not gonna outdo me. And she had gotten A's and B's, but like some assignments, she was like, I didn't really wanna do it. So she she didn't do it, (laughs) which is how she was also treating some things at home. So it, it appeared that when it was other kids in the mix, she was like, oh, let me get this done because this does matter to me. And I want, at the end of the quarter, they give certificates and she wanted her certificates, all of them, just like her sister. And she wanted them to be the top ones. So this quarter has been much better for her, so much more focus, so much more excitement, just looking forward to the day, looking forward to reading the books, literally everything. So I think we weren't really competitive before. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not that competitive of a person. I say my competition is myself to better who I am. And that's kind of how I taught my kids. And so they were really helpers. So one would help the other a lot. And I think this gives them an opportunity to shine individually. They, when they were in school in person, they didn't sit near each other. And so it wasn't like one child was relying on the other to you know, tell her what something was about or to exchange. It was really like, I'm taking this information and I'm going to process it in my own way and then um, share. And so that has been positive and different and that's what's working for them. Oh, this is great. I'm glad that they're having a smooth and peaceful and joyful move from one phase to the other. So let me ask this. I'm curious, do you think that perhaps at some point in the future, they will want to come home? And if they do, are you willing to go for the the high school homeschooling? I definitely would consider it. So one of my daughters was like, I like being at home, but she also said that she's enjoying So this is the one who was falling asleep (laughs) last year. She was like, oh, I'm so glad that we're virtual now. I like this even more because I'm able to sleep a little later. So her one of her struggles was getting up and getting out of the house so early. 
Mm-hmm. One of my kids would wake up at six and wake us up as parents and say, hey, it's time for school. And I'm like, really? So she liked it that much because she's now in this adolescence age where she wants to be around other kids. Her sister was like, man, I just want to sleep a little longer because clearly sleep is something she does have health challenges. So I'm going to just throw that out there and and say it like it is. She does have health challenges, which um, can make her more tired. And I think um, learning how to prioritize her time because she wanted to play and not do her homework when she first got home. So she she still likes to play. And so what would happen is when it was time to go to bed, she would be trying to finish up her homework. So she was going to sleep a whole lot later. And so it's kind of forced her to look at those habits. And I had to get them a planner. We've talked about not using our planners in the past, but my kids let me know, hey, mom, I really need a planner because I need to be able to know when things are due so that I stay on track. So it's caused Mm -hmm. them to be so much more accountable. In the last question, you mentioned testing and they have taken, so they had never really taken standardized tests before until this year. And they took it for the first time, it was computerized. So I think because it was on a computer, that's how they're doing things now, it was easier for them to do it because they had taken things on computers before, you know, like when you do IXL, when you do other things. So that's how they test it for their standardized tests. And they did well. So I know that even homeschool kids who don't test regularly, and that's not really something that they're familiar with, they can still, once they get to school, be able to adapt. At least that was the case for my girls. I'm curious, though. This is a little bit of a tangent here. But you said that the standardized tests were computerized. And I'm wondering, is that something that came about because of the pandemic? Or is that the way that they have um, been doing standardized testing, standardized testing within our county? for a little while or a short while now. I'm curious. And and also, can I also tangent in here with this? I was reading, oh man, what was I reading? I don't remember what I was reading, but I was reading and they were saying that there are some high-born schools, Ivy League schools, whatever you want to call them, that are considering and some that have eliminated the need for SAT scores and ACT scores as insurance requirements. And I thought to myself, this is amazing. Why haven't they done this before? And I'm thinking to myself that, you know, if those schools are willing to do that, at what point will some of these other schools drop that requirement as well? But it also makes me think about how deep that goes. So eliminating that eliminates a sector of the market. So what happens to these companies that have been making big dollars off of these students testing and retesting and yet more retesting? What happens to 
you know, to all of that? Are they going to be scrapping and clawing, trying to keep a grip on the higher education institutions? How, how exactly is that going to work? Because really, if it's not a requirement, if I were one of these kids, I would not be wasting my time on that. Because let's be for real. It's not any, it's not the best indicator of your knowledge, your skill set, or your potential to learn more and be an excellent. I mean, everybody's different. Anyway. Go ahead, give your take, and we're going to get back to the transition. <laughs> okay, so the first part is um, I think they started going to um, digital tests in certain areas before the pandemic okay. um, because it's easier to grade, it's easier to monitor and whatnot. So um, I don't really, because I haven't been in the school system, um, you know, personally, recently i don't really have the statistics on that the second part is yes i definitely know that a lot of schools and i think this is the new wave of the future especially because of the pandemic that they're not doing the act sat they're not relying on it and i think that's a good thing especially for children of color because homeschoolers of color have done better on these standardized tests but Traditionally, in public schools, students of color have not done well on these standardized tests. And after that fiasco with the college scandal, oh, that highlighted that a lot of these other children aren't doing well either. Their parents are just paying to get them through it in other ways. So there are other ways around it. And so it hasn't been a fair process. Right. Indeed. So what I wanted to also share was that trend, one of the things that has been important for me to realize as a homeschooler who put my child in school during the pandemic, I was scared because <laughs> it just seemed like this is a very odd time to be putting my kid in school, especially one who has health challenges because of the virus and everything that's associated with getting sick and you know not really having anything to do about it. And so I was concerned about that, but what really just gave me that reassurance. They were very adamant about how they cleaned and the class sizes were small and people really, the parents were very aware of, you know, different factors to protect the kids and they were trying to do everything they could to protect the kids. So every day you were supposed to fill out a form um, acknowledging whether or not your child had symptoms or didn't have symptoms. Now, I'm going to say all of this to say um, last month in the uh, like before break, right before break, my kids tested positive. And I knew 
that it was because of being in school. It, they, they had gotten it at school because my husband and I work from home and we don't go many places and we don't usually see many people our interact. So it was very obvious where they had gotten it. And so that was kind of like a blow to me. It was like, wow, you've protected your kids all this time and now this is gonna happen. This happened, did you make the right decision? And my kids didn't get that sick. They were, it was like a couple of days, they had like a runny nose, like a cold. It was very mild and I was like, they're okay. And my husband and I didn't get it and everything was okay. So I was like this fear to me, that was the reinsurance I needed that I had made the right decision. Even though at first when I was like, what they tested positive because their symptoms were so mild. I was like, was that a false positive? But now we know that for some people, this new variant is very mild for them. And that was the case for my kids. And so, um, That's also because they had gotten it in school and other kids as well. That's also why the school has been virtual for so long, because it was scary for the teachers as well as the students. And so um, that's been a part of our experience, too. Wow. Well, see, here's the thing. And when you said um, it seems like it's not the right time to, you know, take your children into school. School's a nasty place, period. (laughs) So (laughs) whether this was before the virus or after the virus, they're definitely going to bring something home because kids are nasty like that. You know, and and I I don't even want to say nasty, but Kids do things without without much thought into where this can lead, you know? Running down the hall with your hands up against the wall, touching all the rails, you know, now my face itches. Now it's, oh, I'm gonna, oh, you got some chips. Can I have some chips? You know, <laughs> sneeze, sneeze, snivel, snivel, wipe, wipe, you know, just kind of. Kids just do things that they're not thinking about later ramifications. So within this space and time, I don't know that I don't know that there is a real way to to really saran wrap your kids and keep there is them. not. There is not, and I think schools are trying to come up with a way to cope with that. Some schools have done more virtual time than others and others just kind of have gone back because for parents to work, many of them cannot be home with their children. It's just not a sustainable model. Um, Our economy wasn't built that way. If we had been prepared, it would be different. But what, two years in, we're not prepared. And we're still struggling like this is the very beginning. And well, I will say nobody wants to change. It's, right. They, you know, they, they, well, they're really they rooted in that. these capitalist structures. I'm sorry, I'm talking about this. No, they were rooted in a lot of these capitalist structures that are not set up to uh, uh, um, 
to embrace humanity because it's not about that. It's about money. It has nothing to do with the individual person, their families, their neighbors, the community. It has nothing to do with that. It's all about how much dollars can be acquired. And applying these same principles to what's going on isn't helpful either. So I, I totally, totally agree with you there. I think that because of the school that you chose to enroll your children in, <clears throat> because it's private and then they don't have to answer to a lot of people, they're able to set their own rules and you know better mitigate the situation without too much uh, pushback. I guess I'll say you know they they can they without can, the bureaucracy. Yeah, they can yeah. poll the parents and see what's working, what's not working. They tend to have a more personal relationship with the students because it's not a huge school, so they're able to better serve the needs of their students and their families. And I think that's excellent. Granted, everyone, unfortunately, does not have that option available to them. And if you're one of those people, I'm so very sorry, because this sucks. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. You know, I, even though I, did, I don't do a whole lot of going out into the places, because I don't particularly care for people. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to say, I, I don't like to be around people. Honestly, my favorite part about the pandemic are the little circles that say distance. And I'm like, yes, because I can't stand when I'm standing in line and the person behind me is, you know, breathing on my neck. Look, if you're not going to pay for my stuff, you need to back up. I just, you know, so I really do enjoy that. I, I Give me some room. I like that. I can breathe. Mm. But my some of my kids are, you know, like, mommy, I really want to do this. I want to do that. Can we go to the library? Can we go? And so we are missing some of those, some of those spaces. And I I can imagine how difficult it is for your kids because I know one of them is really a social body and really, really enjoys that. So finding the balance between activity and safety is you know it's a fine line that's true because it was so funny because my daughter was like I'm tired of seeing the same three people (laughs) every day and I was like we're not that bad right I just want to be around somebody else And so, I mean, I heard her, I heard her and I respected her and I was like, it's time. So they're in middle school and I, I'm okay with them being in school because I want them to thrive, not just academically, but socially, emotionally. And mentally and physically. And so for them at this time, putting them in school was the best way to accommodate that. I love the fact that you said that you are taking care of their needs and not 
which you would prefer or which you, uh, uh, you know, mapped out for them. And they, right. it's very important that we do honor our children and their feelings and their thoughts and really do things that are going to nurture them, even if it's not really something that resonates with us. So with that in mind, how are you handling them being gone? Do you have moments where you're like, oh, I wish I could be, you know, hands in here or something? Or are you like, this is great. I've got three free hours to do what I need to do for my own sanity or for my own business or for whatever it is that you want to allot that time to. So two things. I really thought that putting them in school would free up so much of my time, but it did not. (laughs) I am still very busy doing so many things. So I don't actually see that I have any free time um, than I did before. So unfortunately, I think when you put your kids in school or do something, you automatically find all these other things to do and start accepting more projects, starting putting more things on your plate. At least that was true for me. I had put more things on my plate, so I didn't even notice any extra time. It was time consuming when they were going to school physically because we had to actually drive them there and it was 30 minutes there and 30 minutes back. So (laughs) that was an hour of our day, sometimes in traffic to just get them to school and home. So I think that for us, it wasn't Thankfully, my husband does help. So I wasn't doing all of that by myself. He would def- he would do the take the kids to school every day. And I was supposed to pick them up. But sometimes I would be too busy because I often overschedule myself with meetings and things. And so he was often the one that needed to accommodate the schedules and get the kids even when it wasn't his day because my day was every day I was supposed to pick them up but (laughs) I wasn't always able to do that now when it comes to feeling like oh I miss my babies since they've been so the school is actually a hybrid school which means that we as parents could pick a day where our kids would be virtual even before they were, the whole school was virtual. So that meant we had picked Fridays. So my kids were really going to school four days a week. But what we also discovered, one of my kids were like, I don't ever, I don't want to be home on that one day. I want to go to school on that one day too, because she was able to focus better. And her sister tried to stay, but uh, we eventually were taking both of them to school on that day. But what ended up happening is, they always have these teacher work days or vacations, holidays. I was like, they're home a lot. <laughs> and so to me, um, and then um, they were, they've been home for like two months, virtually learning. So I was like, yeah, I haven't had to miss them physically. And I know that sounds bad. 
<laughs> but it's true because oh. I feel like they've been home a whole lot. So yeah, they have, but you know, you yeah. don't have to put in that effort of, you know, putting information. Well, you still have to read over your kids' work and oh, yeah. make sure they're yeah. doing their work. So <laughs> to me, it was, it was <laughs> like, I'm, I'm still doing stuff. And I, I must say, because I didn't um, schedule the, it right, like I thought I would have extra time. So a lot of times my husband is having to help them with work. <laughs> Um, but my kids do, they do often want to talk to me about their classes and want to talk to me about what they're learning. And so now I see we have more intellectual discussions about, you know, what some other thoughts that came up, what other teachers may think. Um, and my kids have told me, mom, I wish you would teach us, um, some classes at school. And I was like, what? <laughs> So my kids have said that to me. So they do miss me teaching certain classes. They they miss their dad's investment class that he used to teach them. So we we've, we've gotten that where they're like, oh, we miss we miss that portion or that class. Um, and can you talk to the principal so you could teach it at school? We think you would be a good teacher. So now new streams of income. <laughs> Well, I, I'm like, uh, no, I want to keep it separate. Like I, because I did want some free time. So it's mm -hmm. like, where am I going to find this free time that I thought I would have? And I realized that being away for six, seven hours wasn't really that long. <laughs> so, no. so that's been the reality of it for me. I understand it breezes by. I remember when my oldest was was still in school and I'd be like, dang, it's time to go to the bus stop already. I didn't even get to, you know, X, Y, and Z. It, it you know, it happens. It's the way of life. Okay, so my last question is as a family, is everyone in accordance is everyone loving the new situation I know the girls are I know you're taking advantage of it and able to have more uh, business time but is the husband is everybody like this is great we're gonna yeah How does so that so I think my husband when we had that little mishap about their positive test. I think he was like, what does she do? I think that popped in, in his mind, but um, we navigated it well. He didn't say anything. And I think, you know, as a mom, we're always bringing stuff up, but he's not, he doesn't bring stuff up like that. Um, one thing that I will say, he did think that I would have more time. So his expectations for clean house and for having everything in order, the clothes washed, the kids' hair done, his expectations got higher. And I was like, wait a minute, this is, it's hard to, it's hard to juggle all of this. 
because it's not that I had more time. I had just filled it in other ways. And so I was spending more time doing the kids hair. I was spending more time trying to find them clothes because even though they they wear a uniform, I my, my kids would complain, oh, these shoes hurt my feet. Like I was really trying to accommodate them since they were on their feet more. So they had to be very comfortable. Like you're like, oh, well, you want them to be cute and comfortable. Really, it just became comfortable. Like, <laughs> what is comfortable? And so um, I was I was trying to kind of do it all. And just like doing it all in homeschool is difficult. It is also difficult when your kids are in school. So I have more grace for those who were sending their kids to school. And I've had to be more of a stickler about getting my kids to do their chores, which is hard because they do, I couldn't believe how much homework they had. I was like, this is ridiculous. And so it's finding ways to give them things to do and responsibilities for their day that um, will free up some of my time, but also give them that that level of responsibility. So that's kind of what's changed. But I think for my husband, he's like, you need to prioritize your time so that you are making sure this house is spick and span. So that's something that I'm working on because my husband definitely believes in those traditional roles, like the food should be done at a certain time and the house should be clean. And I've always, I've always wanted a clean house and I always try to do that. That that literally means that I'm on my feet and doing stuff all the time. And I think sometimes it's okay to breathe and rest. Yeah. I just so that's say, what I'm getting better at. Okay. I just want to say on the clean house, I can't wait till I grow up and I can have somebody come help me do that. Because Mom, I do. I can help you. Oh, my four-year-old says he's gonna help me. Actually, he does help me. He will vacuum. And it's appreciated. He'll vacuum. But I think that because of my kids are still young, there's no such thing as a clean house. And I have asked the ancestors time and time again, how did you do this? Did y'all actually do this? Or were y'all just burnt out? I cannot multi-family homes up with that. Like, oh my God. And I be trying. No, it's hard. no more. We just like to play. Yeah, I know you guys just like to play. They like to play a lot. This just oh this show room and everything. I think in the past they had multi-family no, homes. No, but there were people who were able to help out. Like everybody had different roles. It wasn't just a mom and a dad. It was a mom, a dad, a grandma, a grandpa, an aunt, an uncle. Like there were other people in the space helping out. And so I think now when we have this one generation under the same roof, it's it's a little bit harder. Um, And so, yeah, it's learning what responsibilities you can give to your kids, but also... Um, being willing to take some things off the list and say, hey, it's okay for me to just do that on Fridays or, you know, that can wait. And so I'm in that spot where, well, that that can wait. Um, And so my husband is also, because I used to fold up the kids' clothes and put them away. And so now he's like, the kids can put away their own clothes. So he's been very helpful in trying to encourage me to kind of give them 
their own responsibilities. So, so that's where we are. And that has been our transition. Well, thank you so much for being willing to share so openly. Mama, me will need you. Okay. Thank you <laughs> for being so open and honest with us and sharing things that really. <laughs> yeah. I've told this one behind me that I plan on finding the receipt and taking him back to the store that I bought him in. He's got to go back. <laughs> that is love. I know she's there. Hold on, son. So her son is holding her face. And that is love. Your kids are like, look, it has been X amount of time. Your time is up. And he is right because it was. Yes. <laughs> He's like, our time is up. Yeah, he's demanding my attention. He needs me, although he doesn't. Um, he just likes to be in my face. I think he might be the most attached of all my children. And I'm not sure if it's because he's the youngest or if that's just who he is. I'm going to ask you all to be quiet real quick. I'll be right with you. I promise you, like, two more minutes. So um, we want to thank you so much for being so transparent and honest. And given yeah. us your experience, I hope that it is something that is able to, you know, help any other families that are teeter-tottering between staying in the household and going to a traditional, or not maybe not traditional. Maybe you're looking at Sudbury or um, directed self-directed educational centers or something else like that but if you're really trying to figure out which way to go I really do hope that this was helpful for you well thank you and next week tune in so that you can listen to Miriam's story and how this this school year is going with her four little ones. So we have one in preschool, one in two in elementary, and one in middle school, her last year of middle school. So definitely tune in and we will connect with you. Bye now, everybody. to keep our podcast going order a hoodie t-shirt mugs and more today visit cleverlychanging.com and click on the shop tab to place your order